This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Australia's healthcare system has traditionally been regarded as one of the best in the world. In fact, just a couple of short years ago, it ranked third in a survey that was ranking the healthcare systems of 11 major countries. A survey, I think, somewhat unsurprisingly, ranked the US dead last. Now, that survey gave us the highest marks for the equity of our healthcare, looking at whether there's a difference between access to care for people with, say, an above-average income compared to people with below-average income. And it's well regarded that the Medicare scheme can help explain how well we did on that front. But in 2023, as cost of living pressures bite hard and as families around the state make tough decisions when it comes to household budget, is that equity still all that it's cracked up to be? My name is Nick Healy and with you all this week filling in for Rochelle. The numbers of GPs offering bulk billing is the lowest it's been in this country for a decade. And a new report out today that looks at all 6,000 plus registered GPs right around the country found that just over one third of them, only 35%, are bulk billing all new patients. On average, you'll be out of pocket $41 at the end of a standard 20-minute consult. That's money many households don't have on hand, and that means our health and the health of our families. It's taking the back seat to bills, food, housing, and more. And of course, like so much when it comes to the medical world, there are some stark differences when it comes to what's available between the cities and what you'll find in regional areas. So what do we need to change to make sure that doctors can offer bulk billing to the people who desperately need it. That's the question I'm putting to a range of experts today and you'll hear firsthand what families are experiencing as they head to the doctor's office. But what has your experience been like? Are you holding off on checkups and appointments because of the costs? Are you struggling to find anyone who does offer bulk billing near you or maybe even struggling to get an appointment to see a GP in the first place? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. So to start, I want to step back and look at this from the other side of the equation. Why aren't doctors bulk billing these days? Now, Dr. Danielle McMullen, Vice President of the AMA, the Australian Medical Association, practising GP as well. And Danielle, thank you for finding a bit of time between your own patients. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. Why aren't doctors bulk billing as much as they used to? Yeah, look, it's, it is a real issue and it's very much due to the fact that previous governments have stripped so much money out of Medicare. So the way Medicare works uh, is you go and see the doctor and the government provides a rebate back for that consultation to you as the patient. And, and what bulk billing is, is when the doctor accepts that payment as full payment for the consultation. Now, some years ago, the government put a pause, a freeze on those rebates. And since that time, we estimate there's been about $4 billion that's been pulled out of Medicare by virtue of the fact that that rebate back to patients didn't go up. And obviously, everyone listening knows that cost of living and cost of running a business has gone up in that time. But the government really just hasn't been putting more money into healthcare. So there's a gap and someone's got to fill it. And that's why patients are being um, forced to pay these higher out-of-pocket costs because the government just hasn't kept pace with the cost of providing care. In terms of what that means for doctors, I mean, are we losing money on a consult if we're bulk billing? Are we barely breaking even? Where does it sit? Yeah, so the the estimates at the moment are that a standard consultation is about $89 to, to 
cover the cost of that consultation, which means the Medicare rebate of about $40 covers not even half of it. So to bulk bill is taking about a 50% discount on the cost of running that consultation. So we have seen for many years people who can afford to pay subsidising those who can't but now it's just gotten it's that straw that broke the camel's back. We've reached that tipping point where we can't be affording to do as many bulk build consultations. And so more and more practices uh, are being forced to pass on those costs to patients, even patients who have concession cards and others who we ordinarily wouldn't like to charge an out-of-pocket charge to. Daniel, we keep hearing about the freeze, but I mean, has there been a good communication about what the reasoning was to begin with on why this rebate got frozen? Well, uh, we, you know, like all things government, they like to constrain costs where they can um, and it's that effect of compounding interest. So even though the freeze was lifted a few years ago now, the indexation put on that has been nowhere close to inflation uh, and because there were six years of frozen, we were starting from a lower base. So government saved a lot of money. In fact, they saved $4 billion, uh, but it's the community that's really losing out. It's a confusing situation for many people to understand, I think. Do you, I was even thinking before, like if sometimes when I go to the doctor, I go to, uh, to reception afterwards, I'm never entirely sure if I'm going to be paying a bit or not. I feel like there's maybe not a huge communication there to, to, to the patients about whether they'll be bulk billed or not. It, it can be a challenge. And what we've seen from this clean bill report on the weekend is that most practices are upfront when they when this business called up and said, what's your charge for new patients coming in? Um, we encourage practices to have a clear billing policy so that patients do know what they'll be out of pocket. But often doctors can use their own discretion. So you may find that uh, on a particular visit that the doctor chooses to discount your fee or sometimes will bulk bill in extraordinary circumstances to make you know to try and make sure people are getting the care they need so that can lead to a bit of confusion at the front desk but generally um, patients should be aware before their consultation of what the likely out-of-pocket fee is going to be. We often hear now about sort of a longer consult, a shorter consult. Sometimes if you're using one of the apps that lets you book a doctor, you're meant to sort of have a better idea about what you're booking in for. Obviously, that makes a difference to what doctors are getting in terms of rebate when it comes to Medicare, does it? It really does. And the big pressure point we're seeing in Medicare at the moment is that the rebate back to patients for longer consultations is much less than the shorter ones. So patients may find that the practices that are still bulk billing tend to be working on very short consultations because that's the only way to kind of make ends meet. And that for those places where you want that longer consultation, you've got chronic diseases, complex health issues where you need to spend that 20 to 30 minutes with the doctor, uh, the rebate that you get back for that is, is really inadequate. So that's why we're calling on government to look at those Medicare rebates, particularly for the longer consultations, so that people can afford to spend more time with their doctor. Where does that leave patients coming in with, with chronic illnesses? It is very difficult uh, and I see it every day in practice that patients are having to pay more out of pocket. Uh, there are a number in our community who can afford to do so and so they're choosing um, to do that but I recognise there are plenty of people out there on lower incomes or families with many people needing to see the doctor where it really is an impact uh, and government needs to take that seriously. We live in a country where we do expect that we get high quality 
medical care uh, at an affordable price. And it's that affordability which is becoming more and more difficult for patients. And especially at the moment, Danielle, I mean, we'd hope to see some change reasonably quickly here because uh, cost of living doesn't seem to be going down at the moment for people. Exactly. Uh, We're seeing more and more costs across the board uh, and we know that government's been saying the right things. They've been doing the work with the Strengthening Medicare Task Force. They've been talking a lot about cost of living, but we really need to see this as a health budget. We need to see some dollars behind all their good words uh, and we need to see the situation made easier for patients uh, so that doctors can be providing that high quality of care so we can attract more doctors to general practice uh, and so that we can make sure that people have that accessible and affordable care. Dr Danielle McMullen, thanks for your time this morning. Danielle is the AMA Vice President and we'll get back to that uh, idea about whether doctors, especially living in regional areas, can be attracting the right level of staffing, the right young doctors to come into their zone. Uh, Andrew Fidel is on the line. Good morning, mate. Hello. What's happening about your way? Yeah, hi. Um, I live in Benalla in uh, northeast Victoria and um, we've got three serious problems here. One, we had two doctors in town that were bulk billing and they've shut up shop and they're leaving town altogether. So not even, not even taking bulk billing, they're actually closing the doors and moving out of town. They stopped bulk billing and they're closed. They're leaving, they're leaving Benalla in two weeks, three weeks time. And, um, I have to try and find another doctor and all the other doctors, um, charge you a fee of about 50 or $60, um, out of pocket. Then the other problem I've got is that the Benalla Hospital, the emergency room, I had to go there recently on a Sunday, and on the Tuesday I got a bill in the mail for $275 because they don't bulk bill. And then I had to get x-rays recently, and they've outsourced, the Benalla Hospital's outsourced the radiology department to, a, I think it's a Swedish company, I'm not sure. Mm. And um, I said I, I need to get these x-rays and I, and uh, it was going to cost me $375 for each of the two x-rays, ultrasounds, and I was only going to get back about $100 for each one. So I was forced to uh, drive 100 kilometres to another regional centre where they bulk build for x-rays because the Benalla Hospital don't bulk build for x-rays, they don't bulk bill if you've got an emergency like I had recently where I had to go on a Sunday and I got a huge doctor's bill because they have a doctor come from one of the clinics and they bill you for an after hour service and these two doctors that were doing the bulk billing, they've shut up their shop um, they've said to we're shutting up in three weeks or two weeks time and uh, so we're going to be a, a, you know, a shortage of doctors, so we've got no one in the town that um, bulk bills and on top of that, in this time of crisis, the Benalla Hospital put an ad in the paper last October uh, calling for tenders for art. And they spent $10,000 on art. I, I just don't get what's happening. We were promised that they were going to fix up the state government elections, they are going to fix up uh, medical ambulance, all the rest of it. The federal government elections said they were going to fix up Medicare and all the rest of it. And here we are, we've got a hospital at Benalla that doesn't bulk bill their emergency, they don't bulk bill x-rays, and we've got honey bulk billing doctors, which are wonderful doctors, 
um, who came over from Shepparton, the, they, they're closing up shop. So. Uh, and Andrew, I can hear your frustration on that, and very deservedly so. I mean, being put in a situation where you're either hundreds of dollars out of pocket or driving for several hundred kilometres to be able to get the health care that you need... That's going to be absolutely infuriating. Andrew in Benalla. Some people texting in an interesting one here saying, look, patients are never aware of whether you're going to be bulk billed or not. It's bingo seeing if you're going up with your kids and end up getting bulk billed or end up out of pocket. Look, I'm going to state the obvious here, but it's particularly hurting vulnerable and single income families and single mothers in particular can find this incredibly problematic. Therese Edwards is the CEO of the National Council of Single Mothers and Their Children. Good morning to you. Good morning. I am trying to imagine a scenario where, uh, I don't need to imagine, I guess, it's a real thing, having to make a decision about your own health care or the health care of a child because you can only afford one. Absolutely. And throughout COVID, we've watched some things um, really harm our community, but we also watched some really good initiatives. And so a couple of things that could be takeaway lessons from that was an increase into the payment and what happened for six months when that payment was increased is women started to attend to their health needs they could do some um, appointments that were completely out of reach before and also there was the option for that um, bulk billing teleconference um, consult Mm. and that was really particularly important for families that just need ongoing scripts for example for children that may have an ongoing condition it could be asthma so they're very aware of of how to use their ventolin but rather than taking two or three children into a clinic um, where you're worried then about your child's health because of um, people in the clinic are, are there because they're unwell but there's also that time and the cost and the petrol but to be able to just get a script um, faxed or um, sent to the local chemist. Those were really good initiatives. So it seems that we, we did do some good things and that we should keep them in place because we do know that single parent families have put medical and their health needs on the side of the luxury um, ledger. So it's when they have that extra cash that they might actually do something. And in healthcare, despite us all knowing that um, that early intervention is is fantastic and it can actually reduce so much, not only the pain, the trauma, but the cost, Often it's prohibited because of the cash flow, the inability to get to a doctor who is bulk billing or not even knowing if the appointment will be a bulk billed um, appointment before arriving. Now, Therese, you look at the uh, graph of when it comes to bulk billing, and as I said before, we're at a 10-year low, but there was, that, of course, that huge spike during the, the pandemic. It does feel like in many ways we've taken a big step backwards in the last year or two. Yes, look, I spoke to women who, who that, that they were the healthiest. It's so sad that a pandemic was such that that for some people who were always sort of hanging on to the cliff by their fingernails, it actually made them healthier. So they could do things like get glasses for the first time or get some dental work done for the first time because of affordability, etc. And certainly for their children, there was a real opportunity to 
to look more preventative than than the acute um, responding to the pain when that happens. So, yeah, we we really should take a moment, and I understand that there is some scrutiny occurring, and that is is terrific. But women um, women who are in, who are in regional and rural areas. They really spoke about a chance to sort of catch up, catch up on their health and um, and and also for their children. So it's we shouldn't be in a country where where health care and health options is treated as a luxury, but it should be universally um, it should accessible. absolutely be universal. And Therese, thanks so much for your time this morning. Therese Edwards, CEO of the National Council of Single Mothers and Their Children. Eleanor on the text line in Bendigo saying, I agree with everything that's been said. I'm on a pension as is my daughter. Our medical centre has stopped bulk billing. We can't go to the doctor if we don't have enough money in the bank to cover our visit. And it always feels like we're out of pocket, no matter what we're getting seen for. We're always to the tune of about $40. And of course, the bill has to be settled on the day of consultation. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And please get in touch. We are talking about bulk billing, its accessibility, the need for it, what it's meaning to families if they are unable to bulk bill. Are you putting off your own visits to the doctor? Of course, it's not just as simple as doctors can't afford to bulk bill anymore. I said it earlier, but the chances of you actually finding a doctor who will bulk bill varies very wildly depending on where you live in Australia and, of course, whether you call the city or the country home. Peter Braden is health director at the Grattan Institute. Peter, good morning. Morning, Nick. How bad is the divide when it comes to the accessing of bulk billing between city, country, or even right around the country? It's really bad. I mean, you've, you've hit on the big point here. There's two big problems with bulk billing now. One is that um, rates of bulk billing are going down a bit, um, a few percentage points in the last few years. If you look across Victoria or nationally, the same time fees have been going up. So when you do pay a fee, it's gonna be higher. That's a new problem, that decline. It, it's been going up previously, but the big underlying problem that's been there for the long term is these bulk billing deserts, areas where you just can't find bulk billing care. And you're right, particularly for Victoria, this is largely um, a rural problem. So if you look at um, across the state, about two thirds of people um, will will never pay a bulk billing fee for a GP across a given year. Huh. Um, but in some areas, it's less than half. And, and those areas are disproportionately rural areas. So the electorates of um, Indi um, and, uh, you know, um, Karangamai, Geelong, et cetera, you see less than half of people um, never being bulk billed. So, and, and those problems have been around for a long time. Those rates have been similar for about the past decade. So while we're seeing this big decline across the system, these entrenched areas of, of undersupply of GP care, that's a structural problem. It's been around for a long time, and it means we really need to change the way we manage the system. I want to get into how we change that system, but and, and forgive me if I'm sounding very, very ignorant here, Peter, but it seems counterintuitive to me. Uh, you would think that in a regional area, and you know, to be very clear, I live in Shepparton. I remember when I got to Shepparton, I had a very hard time even finding a doctor who was taking on new patients, let alone a doctor mm. who would bulk bill. But it seems like you would be paying uh, less to have your um, uh, rent on, on, your, on your, your doctor's office. It seems like it would be a lower cost place to be a country doctor. And yet here we are seeing less bulk billing in those regions. Well, bulk billing is pretty um, tightly tied to competition. So we know in a local area, if there are more GPs, they're more likely to bulk bill. And also rural areas can face different kinds of cost pressures to, to people who are practising 
in the city. So sometimes um, it's a, an economy of scale thing. You're, you're serving a smaller community. Um, and so it's hard to sort of you know, scale up the clinic to the size that might be a little easier and more efficient to run. And then sometimes these doctors are stuck working around the clock, um, you know, responding to crises uh, and they don't have the team around them to support and help them um, have a manageable lifestyle. So there are different pressures in the country. Um, and, um, and certainly, you know, it, it, it can be a financial challenge or it can be a challenge just having the, the support and logistics to make it manageable um, to look after the community. So, Peter, let's look at that funding model. Many people say it needs to change, but what needs to change? Is it just as simple as more money being flooded into it? Well, I don't think it is because we've already got places um, in Victoria, communities where the bulk billing rate is, you know, nine in 10 people. And then we've got ones where it's like four in 10. So if you just pump money into the system across the board, you, you'll be you'll be putting money into those areas that need it less. And, you know, we've got this enduring problem of really underserved communities. So that's why the investment needs to be a bit more targeted. One of the things that um, an expert task force recommended to the government um, earlier this year was a whole new funding model because the way we pay GPs is really out of step with the health needs of the community and with the best practices around the world. So here we have this fee-for-service model. It means that GPs have to you know, churn through as many patients as fast as they can. And particularly as we get sicker, more people have chronic diseases, a different kind of funding model would be better. One that rewards GPs for looking after patients over the long term and allows them and their supporting team to spend more time with patients. So there's lots of reasons to change the model. And part of that model can be higher payments for looking after patients who are sicker, who have more disadvantage, less income. That's what a lot of other countries do. And that way it'd be easier for, for those GPs serving disadvantaged communities, sicker communities, not to charge people fees. So that's part one is, is changing the way we pay for GPs. But another problem Australia has is that GPs are more likely to work alone with little support from nurses, pharmacists, physiotherapists, psychologists. Mm. Other countries have brought more people in to support them and that expands the care that you can give, particularly in these rural areas where there's enough care to go around. Especially, so recommended, that, especially yeah. mental health. I mean, multidisciplinary care for the mental health alone would be just, I think, life-changing for so many people in regional areas. It's a great point. And we've seen this incredible rise in the number of people turning up to GP consultations for with mental health concerns. And then when you talk to GPs, they say, well, I know the Medicare system is not funding me for the time it's going to take to sit with this person and talk through and unpack these complex problems. So bringing um, psychologists and counsellors um, and other people into GP clinics to support the GP to take some of that load on is a really good way to go. So we've said that governments should look at these areas where there's not enough care and then, you know, help those clinics to hire these other workforce groups and bring them in to support the GP. So you can get that fully rounded, multidisciplinary care and you can expand the access to the, to the local community. Peter Braden, thanks for your time this morning. Peter is the uh, Health and Aged Care Program Director at the Grattan Institute. JD on the line in Thornbury saying, are you kidding? $70 out of pocket for a short 15-minute an appointment? In a family of four, we prioritise our kids' health and put off our own. We just can't afford it. Not the first time we're hearing that this morning. On the line, Nat in South Melbourne. Good morning. Good morning. What's it like out your way? Are you having trouble finding someone that'll bulk bill you? Yeah, so I think um, from my perspective, having uh, young kids, I've now seen, especially now uh, daycares and playgroups, that parents are now accessing help through the Royal Children's Hospital more than their doctors. So 
so for minor illnesses um, because of the lack of accessibility with uh, bulk billing uh, services, they're looking, they're just going straight to the hospital now. They're no longer going um, and waiting for their doctor appointments. Um, and that's obviously anybody who has had to deal with the Royal Children's Hospital knows how overrun they are. So I think by making things more accessible for young families and kids, um, it's going to take that pressure off the hospital where it's so badly needed. Yeah, now I know there's a big concern about making sure that hospitals don't get overrun. I know how problematic that is, and it's um, kind of shocking that people are having to choose a hospital over an actual doctor. Uh, Abdul's in Croydon. Good morning. Oh, yes, good morning. Yeah, it's just uh, very hard. Like, they used to bulk bill in my area, eastern suburbs. No one does it at the moment. And the thing that made me angry the other day was I took my eight-year-old to the doctor and I had to pay like $90. They don't even bulk bill under like kids. That's a lot of money to pay just straight up. Um, Yeah. Obviously, I think there are very few families that can afford that right now. Yeah, it is really hard. Like, uh, especially winter's coming, you know, a lot of people will get sick, children will get sick. So that means you got to pay $80 or $90 a visit. And I don't know what Albanese government has been asleep or like Labor government, they was like, you know, saying about Medicare, Medicare, protect Medicare. But under them, people have to pay now, like me. Yeah, look, um, we, you're hearing a lot of the stories very, very similar and you're not the first person to mention the eastern suburbs in particular as being uh, one of those deserts that was mentioned before when it comes to bulk billing. Emma King is the head of VCOS, Victorian Council of Social Services. Good morning to you. Good morning, Nick. It is a shocking tale that we are getting at the moment of people saying that we do not look after our own health. We have to make sure that the kids are t- seeing a doctor first, or in many cases, we're just not seeing a doctor. We can't afford it. That's absolutely right. And let's face it, your health and your access to a GP should not be dependent upon your income and your postcode, but it is. And we know at the moment, as you've been talking about, we've got bulk billing deserts, so whole swathes of our state and country with no bulk billing GPs or practices with big out-of-pocket expenses. And we know as a result, people are forced to do one of three things, and that is they either skip meals or they reduce their power use or they go without other essentials to see a doctor or they borrow money and they go into debt, potentially visit dodgy payday lenders to visit a doctor or they don't go to the doctor at all and they get even more sick. And that doesn't even go into paying for the script that you might get when you're heading out of the GP clinic if you're lucky enough to get an appointment in the first place. Emma, I hadn't even considered that angle on it. We've been talking about people saying, I can't afford to see a doctor, but getting caught up in that short-term buy now, pay later or payday loan debt cycle, uh, it's incredibly hard for many people to break out of once they're there. Oh, if not impossible. I mean, let's face it, those those payday lenders are incredibly dodgy. And let's be really clear here, if you're living in poverty, you're in a cold house, you're skipping meals, these are all really bad for your health. And so however we look at this, we're condemning people to a vicious cycle of really ill health. So there are some other options for healthcare which people do rely on, like community health, which is fantastic, nurse on call, etc. But we know in listening to all of the, the calls in the program so far, we know the local GP is a really key part of the health landscape. So we can't let GPs become accessible only to those who are well off. And in the situation that, as you've just sort of called out, if to, to the notion that people would have to visit a payday lender so they can go and see their doctor is 
outrageous in a country that is as wealthy as ours. I think what we need to be clear here, it's a text that's come through saying, look, you might have to pay 80 or $90, but you do get a refund of about 40 bucks from Medicare. To be very clear here, I know for some families, 50 bucks that is something they can afford, but we are talking about a, a period where families are hurting more than they have in many, many years. That $50 goes a long way, or it used to, and it should yeah, well, and let's face it, people on low incomes are incredibly good at managing their money and eking every bit out of every cent. But lots of people don't have $50 in the bank account or $80 or $100 in the bank account. Remembering as well, as I mentioned earlier, it's not only the visit, it's potentially the script as well. So if you just don't, lots of people just don't have that money. It's really straightforward. So it then means fundamentally they miss out. And what we are seeing as well is we're seeing increasing numbers of people who are presenting at emergency departments for health issues a local doctor could fix. Although hearing one of your earlier callers from Benalla who's saying, well, actually they did go to their the hospital, but then they ended up with this huge bill anyway. It yeah. seems extraordinary. Yeah, and once again, we're hearing about that major divide between what's available to people living in metro mm. areas and what's available to people living in country areas. Emma King, thank you for your time this morning. Emma is the CEO, uh, the head of VCOS, the Victorian Council of Social Services. On the line, Robert in Preston. Good morning. Hi. I've got a slightly different take on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a pensioner, and yesterday I had a pest controller in Last week I had a plumber. Yesterday's bill was $234 and the plumber's bill was 300 and something. People think nothing of paying tradesmen those sorts of prices. Yet because we've had Medicare and we've had a lot of bulk billing doctors, um, we're expecting a lot of support in our health care. I truly believe that people on Centrelink payments or who have a concession card um, should be bulk billed and that the government should pay doctors more to see them. I worked for seven years in a position that supported general practitioners in a very rural area of New South Wales. And believe me, those doctors were not well off. They were really struggling. The costs of keeping a practice going in those sorts of settings is very high. You think we Unless should see... Unless we're prepared to pay more tax, um, Medicare is going to continue to disintegrate and we'll have to be prepared to pay. Robin, thank you. It is a really interesting perspective, the idea that we've become a bit unrealistic, I guess, about whether we should be paying or not paying for uh, health care in this country. I... I I certainly think that I think there needs to be a greater level of equity. I'm not entirely confident that a means test is necessarily the way to do that. Ian and uh, Ocean Grove, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I think a basic problem is that uh, as a matter of government policy, the previous governments, going back as far as Tally Abbott, brought in that wanted to have co-payments. It wanted to, so it, so it couldn't get that sort of sense, so it Decides to do it by stealth, not increasing the rebates. And there's an issue about whether you know, we are prepared to pay enough tax to, to make it happen. And the fact that so many places are no longer doing bulk billing is a result of the fact that 
it's not keeping up with the cost of medicine, which includes, which is not, not exclusive just the doctor. It's all running running the practice, which would be could be between forty and sixty percent of a of a fee that's charged. Yeah, and it's a really interesting point to see it that way. And uh, a text line as well saying that look, healthcare needs more funding to stop chronic diseases. They're causing a crisis in the hospital system. So I think we are seeing this in many ways as almost like a little bit of a house of cards. I know we've always had a bit of a stereotype of that friendly country doctor who knows everyone and every malady in their town. It's long been supplanted by a much harsher truth. Regional doctors are very thin on the ground. Finding a doctor in your town that's taking on new patients, I know firsthand how problematic that can be. Even finding a doctor full stop in some places, as we heard earlier from our banala caller, it can feel nearly impossible. Now, the doctors that are there, I think they are obviously working incredibly hard to support their community. They're less likely to be bulk billing than city-based colleagues, as we've learned this morning. Dr Rob Fair is the President of Rural Doctors Association of Victoria. Rob, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, but I've got to say, we're hearing some real horror stories, especially from regional people when it comes to being able to access, well, bulk billing. And it just seems like we are looking at a really major problem. Uh, we have, a, we have a, a crisis. It's not a new problem. It's been a long-standing problem. And uh, the underlying issue we have in rural is that bulk billing in rural GP by itself is not viable. It's, it's a model that's no longer fit for purpose. What makes so- it not viable, Rob? Well, look, most rural general practices do do mixed billings and, and we know that some of the most remote and very remote areas actually have the highest bulk billing rates, and but they also have the highest out-of-pocket expense rates. I guess some of it is an economy of scale thing. You have smaller communities, but you also have issues such as you have r- really low-income communities often in many of our rural areas, low-income uh, families with you know, also along with uh, other problems such as housing security, food security issues. Uh, and GP is run fundamentally on a small business model in Australia. And the costs are greater in rural areas in a lot of ways to so keep business open. Uh, and it's just the small business model uh, in conjunction with, with bulk billing, the current Medicare rebate levels, is simply not viable anymore. It hasn't been viable. Uh, it's been decreasing in viability over the last 10, 15 years. Rob, what's this mean for attracting GPs to come and work in regional areas? You know, we just heard from Benalla before that there will be no bulk billing doctors there. there, there certain doctors are literally shutting up shop, taking the shingles down and leaving town. Well, that's right. And we find that even in some rural communities when you try to con- con- convert to... to fee only or a gap fee only style practice uh, the, the patients don't actually come because a lot of them simply can't afford to and they'll go they'll go and look for other options but then in Victoria we have an added complication if you go to an urgent care centre which is state funded uh, it's not actually it's not actually funded to provide care so all of our urgent care centres in towns such as uh, Benalla and you heard from Andrew before uh, you don't get the care that you get in big public hospitals for, for free. And so that isn't an option either. So really, uh, if, you, if you look at it from the point of view of a, a junior GP or somebody who's starting out, the income that you'll generate certainly will be low if you have to bulk bill only. But also the practices are simply not viable and they're, and they're really not an attractive option. And we find that really junior doctors coming out increasingly are saying, well, look, this is just not a model I'm interested in. Why would I buy into a practice which is going to generate a very small income it's going to be uh, really expensive and difficult to run uh the, the, the underlying model uh of bulk billing is is not, not giving me enough support 
uh, patients can't afford out of gap, out of out of pocket fees. This is just you know it's it's there's there's no good option, and that's why we need system reform, as as, as several of your callers before have described. <laughs> and we need a we need complex series of reforms, and really, uh, it's not ju- it's also about quality of care. It's, it's, it's not just about how much you pay, it's also getting quality care for anything that you do pay. But certainly having to pay out-of-pocket fees for a lot of our low-income rural communities is a, is a real deal-breaker as well. Is that a concern for you, Rob, that even when people are paying to, to see a doctor, they're not getting necessarily the right level of care that they could just because of, of the issues we're hearing? Absolutely. So we know that, for example, uh, the bulk billing, the, 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 the uh, bulk billing model pushes doctors and practices towards uh, high throughput, so high turnover medicine, where you basically get five-minute medicine, you, you get people in and out the door, and as quickly as you can, uh, you deal with one problem at a time because there's no other way to actually to, to generate enough income to, to keep the doors open. So it's it's a it's a low quality of care, and that's why we need models such blended models, block funding. Different models, which are not really, you know, great. In, the tech, the final details probably aren't great interest to the general public, but <clears throat> they're different models which will incentivise or, or encourage doctors to, to provide complex care. Rob, if that Rob, makes sense. From what you're explaining, though, if we're already having problems finding rural doctors or doctors who want to go into rural areas, if when they do, it's looking like it's just not going to be viable for them to be able to continue operating, I mean, how long before people are having to travel to cities just to get basic health care? I mean, we're already on the way there, aren't we? Well, we, yeah, we already used telehealth services a lot more than we did, and certainly for after-hours care, we're, trying, we're, we're drifting towards using telehealth services for a lot of things. Uh, and, you know, certainly that is a concern that, may, you know, the, 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 the continuity of care might break down in rural communities and, and fragmentation of care or the lack of continuity of care is a concern for our communities because if you've got someone who's providing care by telehealth sitting on a couch in Melbourne or Sydney, they don't know the community, they don't know the local services that are available and so really the quality of care will suffer as a result of that. And people miss out on that very important personal connection to, to a long-standing family GP, which everyone else takes for granted. And you can still find in places like Melbourne and Sydney in bigger communities. So that kind of care is, is much harder to find in rural communities where you're really struggling to get into the GP of your choice if, you, if, you, if, that, if, if the GP of your choice is even practising anymore. Rob, what does this even mean for the next generation of rural doctors? Like, why, if I was studying some sort of medicine, would I even consider becoming a doctor now? Oh, look, we think that you need to go... You need to, look, we still see positives, so we certainly think the, uh, the strengthening Medicare discussions that we've had with the, the Federal Department of Health have positive suggestions. Uh, we think that there are positive reforms you can introduce, going right back to who you accrue to go into medical school, pick kids from rural areas, they're more likely to go rurally, pick people that already have connections to rural communities, they're more likely to go rurally, and then we just need system, we need system reform that doesn't put Medicare and bulk billing Medicare at the centre of, of how we provide... Uh, primary health care, because that will make the work more interesting. Dr. Rob Thank you yeah. for your time this morning. We're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. Uh, Rob's the former president of the Rural Doctors Association of Victoria. Text coming through saying, we had never had a bulk build doctor until we recently moved to the beautiful rural, rural town of Tallangatta. Alas, our delight was very short-lived. The medical centre is going to be charging from the end of the month. On the line is Alan from Cheltenham. Alan, good morning. Hey. What did you want to talk about this morning? Um, listen, I'd like to start off 
I, I think the medi- medical system or the Medicare system, bulk billing, it's all a privilege. We're lucky to have it. You know, if people whinge about paying money to go to the doctors, they need to have a hard look at themselves. But hang on, people don't have money necessarily to go and see a doctor. Well, I'm not talking about everybody. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. People that sit there and smoke and drink and gamble and, and then they've got to win. They win, oh, I've got to spend 50 bucks on taking my child to, uh, to the doctors. Yeah, that's, to me, that's ridiculous. Okay, so you want to see more, yeah. what, personal responsibility? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I, 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 think, I think myself, Medicare and bulk billing should be scrapped. But well, What would you replace it with? Um, normal health care. Businesses, so, businesses can pay for health care for their workers. So you'd want to see an American model? Sure, yep. But and those people that are on welfare, it might, it might even uh, make them uh, get a job. I mean, Alan, the, the American system of healthcare is regarded as one of the world's worst. Yeah, but that's the way they run it. So you think we could run it? You well, would like well, to well, see people who are employed have healthcare come through uh, an employer, not through the government, but you think we'd be better at this? Well, even if, if, if the healthcare goes through an employer through the government. So start, start getting rid of all these overseas countries that run this country because our government doesn't run the country and, and start putting things back into our hands. Alan, it's a very interesting one there and I'm not sure how much I agree with you that that American model would work particularly well in Australia. But we're talking about all these changes to Medicare. We're talking about overhauling Medicare. But what would this actually look like? Now, Consumers Health Forum is a national independent peak body that's been advocating for health consumers. The CEO is Dr Elizabeth Devaney. Elizabeth, good morning to you. Good morning. You are campaigning right now for some significant Medicare reform. Yes, we are. We're keen to see that the uh, views of the ordinary Australians are taken into consideration as the government looks at the recommendations that came out of the Strengthening Medicare Task Force in this coming budget. What would you want to see? Well, first of all, we want to see that ordinary Australians become part of the decision-making process. They're, They're included when new systems are set up and that government ensures that there are resources to teach people how these new services work, how to access them and the like. We also want to see that appropriate quality and safety measures are put in place. So if you go to a new service and you've got a concern about it, um, how do you know where to go for help? We want to see increased investment in health insurance, oh, sorry, health literacy, and also self-care. So that is many Australians want to look after themselves well, but they don't always know everything they can do to look after themselves well. How do we make sure that people do that and can support themselves and their loved ones as best they can? So that we health literacy, sure- sorry, I'm just going to say that health literacy, you're hoping that that will just on a, a grassroots level take some of the pressure off that we're seeing on the entire healthcare system. Absolutely. Um, not everyone is fortunate enough to know exactly what to do to look after themselves. Um, perhaps their health needs have changed. They've got a new chronic disease, for example, they need to learn about it. How do they learn about that? We believe that education is the most powerful social determinant and if we can educate communities on how to look after each other, how to look after themselves, they can take some of the burden off the paid health workforce. I mean, all of us Australian health consumers, we're all part of the health workforce. 
We take people to appointments. We arrange to, you know, do our exercises or take our medicine. We're not the paid part, not the clinical part, but we're critical and we need resourcing so that we can do our jobs as well as possible. Elizabeth, it's been really interesting sort of talking about where we want to see that change and who we've been hearing from today. Many, many people very, very concerned about where they're able to get healthcare and, and the things they're having to say no to in terms of being able to actually stretch out and see a doctor. I know you've been reaching out and getting people to, to talk to you, you know, individual patients about what they're seeing when it comes to a doctor. Are you surprised by any of the stories you've heard today? No, and successive surveys we've done over many years, as long as well with other organisations to show that people do defer their care. They defer the care because they can't afford it. They also defer it because they don't know what things will cost. Some of your callers today have talked about not knowing if there'll be bulk billed, but even not knowing the extent to which they'll need to access services. Uh, let's say you have a heart attack, you get to hospital and you manage there free of charge in our wonderful public hospital system. When you leave, you might discover now you're on a whole lot of new medicines, which cost money. You may need physio, which costs money. You may need um, uh, psychology, costs money, all these things. Mm. And you may have no idea how much of these things you're going to need into the future. It isn't a simple, if you do this, it'll cost you that. Um, and so services um, for communities are, you know, are very expensive. Elizabeth, all this morning we're hearing about we need to see change in Medicare and we've heard some amazing ways of that change could actually work. But is there, I guess, an appetite for change on a government level that you're seeing? Well, I mean, obviously that's something for the, the government to um, decide and potentially announce some of that change in the budget. I think we do see there are a lot of simple changes. For example, you know, one our consumers talk about is not needing a referral from a GP every 12 months to go back to see a specialist that they might need to see for the rest of their life. So if we listen to um, ordinary folks, they're pretty savvy. They'll give you some simple solutions which can reduce the burden on the system, reduce the costs of the system. The more we listen to ordinary people about what they need, the more efficient I believe we can make the system. Now, Elizabeth, we're just going to jump onto a caller at the moment. We've got John from Q. John, good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Good. You're a practice manager. I am. So in the northern suburbs. Um, so we're one of the few that still probably bulk bills in the area. Uh, but it's probably a matter of time before we change um, due to ongoing environmental stress. Talk to me about that stress. Where is that pressure coming from? Okay. So it's not just the Medicare rebates, the freeze that has happened over the last uh, decade or so, but also the underlying pressure by Medicare itself to audit doctors based on the number of items they bill on, the, uh, on, on, on Medicare. So what they do, they run on a bell curve system by looking at a number um, of uh, on extraneous, so based on doctors who work part-time or casually or full-time. So what do you get to see a lot of the full-time doctors? They're reducing their hours and um, on just to be under the radar of Medicare. So over time, the number of patients that doctors can see reduces. And just to make up that shortfall in what their earning capacity is, um, often they will be forced to um, charge privately. John, that's really interesting. And Elizabeth, is that something you've been across? Have you heard similar stuff from doctors? Uh, we do hear from um, GP-owned clinics that they do struggle and, and increasingly struggle to make ends meet for a variety of reasons, such as those your callers suggested and others. And so we call on the government to do what consumers want, which is they want um, cheap or um, reasonably priced, whatever, however you like to describe it, fast access 
to their local primary care services, whether that is the GP or the, the nurse practitioner, whoever it happens to be they talk to when they need health care. Right, Elizabeth, thanks so much for your time this morning. Dr Elizabeth Devaney is the CEO of the Consumers Health Forum. They are campaigning at the moment to see some very, very, very significant changes coming through to Medicare. Uh, Jenny from Druin, good morning. Are you there, Jenny? Yes. Hello, good morning. How are you? Oh, well, I'm flat on my back with the herniated disc. <laughs> so you're in a lot of pain. You've been trying to see healthcare professionals, I uh, imagine. No, no. That's what I'm saying. I'm very lucky. Our, the the GP that I go to, their, their group, they actually bulk bill until 5pm in the afternoon and then they bulk bill on a weekend like any other trade would. But my biggest thing is that people have got to remember that out of the money that they have to contribute and the Medicare, what the poor doctors have to pay out of that is unbelievable. Some of their staff are getting more money than what they're getting. Right. So you think we need to have a better understanding, I guess, of uh, the costs that doctors are being forced to absorb when it comes to where Medicare is at the moment? Yeah, they have to pay their insurances, their cleaners, their receptionists, everything. That all has to come out of a little contribution from every doctor that works in the practice. Jenny, you sound like you've been very, very lucky finding your doctor, though. Oh, I love my doctor. I've had her for 15 years. She came down to Druin to do her 12-month GP service. And she's stayed ever since. She drives down from Melbourne every day. Jenny, thank you so much for your call. We'll go to John in Ringwood quickly before we get to the end of the hour. John, good morning. Yeah, hi. Just uh, surprised to hear so many people saying that uh, the community's become uh, unrealistically reliant on Medicare when really it's the doctors. The doctors have become reliant on Medicare. There's arguably some of the highest paid people in the country, despite the sob stories from a few practices. And if if they're struggling to maintain their $300,000 salaries, then it's unfair to then look to the community and say, well, you've got to prop this up, or to look to the government and say, hey, you've got to prop this up. Maybe they've had decades of overinflated salaries. Oh, don't forget, it is expensive to become a doctor, though. I mean, this is not a cheap degree to go and do. And I, I, I'd just push back a little bit and say that I don't think many regional doctors or anyone working out of the city is on that much money. That's very, very few out of all the doctors that we have. And that's servicing very, very few of the people that are now without uh, the, the full benefit of bulk billing services. So, John, what do you, what do you want to see? Well, everybody is suffering from cost of living pressures. Everybody is suffering from stagnating uh, income growth. So why not doctors? Why, why are doctors protected? You think that they should be, I guess, taken a task? Is that where we're going, John? Well, we're being told that, you know, the cost of running a practice is so expensive. Well, the cost of running a household is so expensive. But there's no relief for households. But for some reason, we've got... A, a, a gang of people saying that doctors uh, with an average salary of $300,000 a year somehow need to be protected. Yeah, John, thanks very much for that. No, I think there's been some very interesting takes on this right throughout the morning. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk tomorrow.